Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Jungle Gyms Podcast. It's Tuesday, the 14th of December, and we're going to do another weekly roundup for you guys. Uh, to the viewers, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we're doing another episode live, so if you're watching it on YouTube, please hit that like button, please hit the subscribe button, and please give us a comment. Um, and tonight we're joined by Paddy and McGinty. Um, how are you guys doing? Grand, my man, grand. You? I'm no bad, no bad. I've got a week off work. I've got hee haw to do, um, but the weather's pish and it's December. Uh, I hate winter, but it is what it is. We've got football to occupy ourselves with. Um, I, McGinty, how you doing? And what top are you wearing tonight? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, man. Again, as always, happy to be back on. It's been a while. Uh, today's top is a Club America away top from this current season. Uh, actually, has a little bit of a design down below. I'll post a wee picture on the. Twitter feed post uh, podcast. Club America, which country are they from, sorry? Uh, Mexico. Mexico. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, we were Talk actually talking about... Uh, we, we, we were actually talking about a Mexican earlier on, Paddy. You reminded me, so I, I want to actually talk about uh, Ronnie Dyla here. So a massive shout out to Ronnie Dyla. But um, so he was, uh, he, he just uh, managed his team to evict um, the New York City under the, the City group. They, uh, so he won like the the Conference Cup and then they played against Portland Timbers um, who won their Conference Cup. And uh, they, they actually managed to win it for the first time ever. He was crying by the end there. It looked so emotional. I actually had like, a wee lump in my throat watching him getting so emotional. So, so chuffed, the guy. The reason that I was talking about the Mexican connections, Paddy, you just said that Efran Juarez, the former Celtic player, um, as the assistant manager at, at New York City. Fucking hell, I never knew that. <laughs> you were shocked when I told you that, eh? Aye. Fucking hell, man. He's still quite young. He's <laughs> only about, surely about 33 or something. Oh, God knows, mate. But uh, he's, he's, he's the assistant manager. So, as you said, uh, that was the that was the wee fella that was hugging on the touchline. But how, it, it, how, it, did, it, how did that even come about? Because the, the times at Celtic never crossed paths. Uh, I think Warren was he not a Lennon kind of wonder for a year two before Dial. Mowbray was Mowbray. Mowbray. No, it was Lennon. Lennon signed him. Um, I think what happened was I think what happened was Juarez was actually playing in America when Dial got the phone call to to go over with the manager. So much like uh, as McGinty's probably going to tell us that John Collins was thrust on Ronnie Dialer. Probably (laughs) every every (laughs) Juarez. What type of thrust? Well, uh, well, he's a, he's a handsome guy. Efren Juarez might be able to tell you more about that kind of thing. Aye, so, yeah, aye, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm sure that's what it was, Gav. I'm sure Juarez uh, was actually playing in America and then became a, became a coach of some sort and then Ronnie Dyers came to take over uh, New, uh, New York City and well, Juarez in as his assistant. Well, small world, isn't let's it? Get small world news. Very, very. You can, uh, let's... you can see the dialer connection going to the city group. That I know Celtic don't officially have any connection to the city group, but obviously we have a connection to Man City with the, uh, well, what's his name, Laurel's kid and whatnot. So there's a small unofficial communications between the clubs. So you could see how dialer could be nudged towards the city group, same way that Postacol who gets kind of mentioned towards us perhaps from the from inside this, that circle. But if and why is Small world, two mm. people who've been at Celtic. There at you are. Ma- times. Ma- maybe, maybe you'll, maybe you'll find uh, Gavin Strachan. 
his laptop next year. Well, season. maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear he's making a good film star himself with that laptop now as well. Is he filming himself like... No, no, just the <laughs> he's bit part role in the Christmas advert with the uh, oh, right. with the maybe, laptop being a, a little gag. I thought you were maybe trying to reveal with this, that he's made some sort of sex tape or something. No, but again, ask FN Juarez about that. He might know more. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many views that would get if they teamed up. But uh, <laughs> let, let's get the oh. get the focus back to fucking Dialer. <laughs> did, did any you see what Dialer did? Just to bring it back on, do you see what Dialer did when he won the cup? Aye, aye. He, did, um, he, did, he did what Dialer always does. He slipped his boxers and started doing press ups. Ah, uh, brilliant! Did you not say he was going to do that at Celtic if he won like the treble or something? It was like some. It was going to be Aye. some big deal, but he never got the chance, unfortunately. Aye. And if it wasn't for a, a a piece of some of the worst cheating you've ever seen, uh, we would have seen uh, Ronnie Dyla and his pants. So I don't you, know. You mean actually, a, I don't, a ball hitting here is not a handball? I I, I don't I, I don't actually know. Now, thinking back, if that handball was maybe a good thing, you know what I mean? We didn't have to see that. <laughs> Well, some pe- some people say that everything happens for a reason, but if you look at his CV on paper now, it's pretty fucking good. He's done it um, with that, that team in Norway. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Strom, Grosset, whatever, something like that. He's done it in Norway, done it for Celtic, and he's now done it in the MLS. That makes for pretty good reading for a CV. And the emotion on his face at the end of it, you don't really see many managers, you know, just like kind of emotionally kind of capitulating like that. It just all, uh, just all kind of oozed out of him, all the, the fucking tears, the emotion, the joy. Um, it, it must have been a, a difficult season one way or another, but I, I felt so, so glad for the guy. Um, aye. Can you say, you, you want to see them do well? Definitely agree, Gavin. It, it's good to see that, that I'm pretty sure that's everywhere he's went. He's won silverware. Um, don't know if he's missed somewhere. <coughs> excuse me, somewhere, somewhere else. To to a lot of people, it, it won't be, you know, major honours or awards. Although I would consider winning the MLS Cup to be quite a good achievement, considering the the caliber that's in that league these days. Winning silverware at Celtic and also winning silverware at Storm's Gazette. I think it was the first time they won it in God knows how many many years, if not the first time. Mm-hmm. He he made. He's made history wherever he's went, sort of thing, within reason, obviously not at Celtic. But you could look at his success rate and people would still turn around and say, not good enough for Celtic. I would say, right guy, wrong time when he was at Celtic, to be honest. I think he's a, a quality coach, but he's just not fit for our setup. But you could compare him to Ange Postacoglu. Other than Ange doing the, the Australian job, They've both been successful in middle to kind of mediocre leagues. No offence to the Australian League or the Japanese League. Both have won wherever they've went. They've both been successful in their own rights. Ange Postecoglou comes Hi. here and he's getting raved about. Rightly so. We're loving the football. We're loving the, the season so far. Ups and downs, but it's all positive going forward. Ron Dyler, not far off doing a, a similar kind of CV, I think. I think that's a fair shout, considering the background. Um, yeah. But obviously, Scandinavia are more more kind of known for football rather than um, than, than Australians who've got other sports. But two two figures um, who were, were low profile, they came in. Media at first were not easy on either of them. They were easy targets, and I think 
as you said, right gap, wrong time. But for Posikoglu, it has been the right time as well. So far, so good anyway. And uh, that that's why he's won a lot of people over. Still, we're, we're waiting for the first bit of silverware. Ronnie Dyla did get some silverware. Um, but the, the, the start that Posikoglu is making is um, yeah, uh, is very encouraging so far. So yeah, a bit of a, a correlation between the two of them in, in regards to their backgrounds and the, 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 the previous success that they achieved. But anyway, moving on for that, guys. Um, at the weekend, we played Motherwell. Uh, we won one no. That was on Sunday, and it was a game going into that where we were aware of the, the injury handicap that we had, and we came away with another casualty in Jimmy Forrest. Uh, but it was a 1-0 game. Um, Paddy, were you happy with the, the performance? And do you think that the 1-0 the scoreline was a, a fair reflection of our performance? I think coming away from that game with three points, Gav, was a, was a blessing. Know that we didn't deserve it or anything, but I just thought that when you looked at the lineup. And you saw straight away that David Turnbull was basically going to be your striker. Like to to, to come away for a for a game against Motherwell, who but we're, we're, we're a good team. All credit to Graham Alexander. And as I say, for us to win that one 0 was it, it was it was good. It was a professional performance, as we've said uh, underneath. I, I, it was it was hard on the eye at times, but listen, we we did our job. We did the best that we could with the squad that we could, and I another three points on the board. So delighted with that. Absolutely, and uh, as you said, like going into the game, we didn't really know what the 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 forward lineup would be. So Beton was actually it's the usual uh, the usual defence and usual goalkeeper, of course. But uh, the, the interesting talking point was the, the midfield and the the, the front three. So we had Beton, Cal Mack, and Rogic, but then you've got Turnbull as well. And Forrest and Abada. So Abada and, and Forrest being the, the two main attacking players. But then you've got Turnbull, who were most, most predominantly playing up rather than like a, a Rogic. Uh, Rogic made a lot of forward runs as well, but I think Turnbull was the, the most predominant one playing in a kind of centre forward role, although he never kind of stuck to it like glue, such as you would find from like a, a Kyogo, a totally, totally different style. We knew that going into the game. Um, I thought that Mike Johnson could have started and maybe Abada could have went up through the middle or vice versa. But it was a, it was an approach which I didn't expect with um, the three points. Right now, December is such a, a, a tough month. We've got two games going every every week. So to come away with three points with this injury crisis, that's the main thing. And we shouldn't linger too much on the performance. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Especially when you consider how many games we've played recently and the injuries that we have been um, kind of accumulating over the last couple of weeks to come out of it with the three points with a, a somewhat professional performance as we, as we stated at the bottom there. I'm just happy enough with that. We didn't expect much. We knew we knew we were short on strikers. The managers made comments about not having the score depth that he wants. We've all known that since the summertime. We're all looking forward to January. We, we all know the players that you were linked with. So it's <clears throat> it's good knowing what we're coming into. It's good having this foresight from the manager. We know what's happening. We know the situation we're in. And we know that we're, we're having to deal with it. And we're dealing with it adequately. Professional enough performance. Um, at the start of the season, I've kept saying that we we always looked like we're going to concede goals at the start of the season. season same as last year. It was always shaky defence kind of moments. But the last few games, the last month or two, and the model game there, I never thought we were going to concede. I've said it, I think the last time I was on a podcast with you guys, 
it's performances that are not scared that I'm gonna we're gonna lose the game. I'm just wondering when are we eventually going to get the goal, and what a goal it was from Tam Rogic mm. um, to to win us the three points. Beautiful goal, and that's all it takes. If it's one nil for every game in December, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. So long as we're winning. I, look like a training ground routine then, Paddy Jink. I I think the I think the commentator actually mentioned that at the thing. Forgive me, I can't remember who it was that said it. Yeah, I think it was Tom Boyd. But no, it was, it was a well-worked well worked piece for the, for the corner. Um, Tam Rogic ended up in the right position, and thank God he ended up in that position. Because see, you see when you looked at that whole game, Gav, as I said, we, we, we started off with Turnbull up top, who I thought, I actually thought it was a really, really poor decision for the manager to play him at the focal point, because if you look at the midfield, and all, of all the players that could have been put up front, Turnbull's the least mobile. You know, he's not the fastest, he's not the quickest, he's not got a left foot. Um, Paddy, would it not make more sense if we're doing the kind of the four-six-zero formation as such with the, the false nine, Tam mm-hmm. Rogic, to be the one to lead the line rather than Turnbull? Uh, possibly, but I, I mean, like, there was talk of the, for the day before that Posta Coglu was bringing up young uh, Joey Dawson from the, for the B team. Now, I think if you're if you've not got any recognised strikers in your team through injury or what whatnot, then you go to the next thing. You go down to the B team and you pull in a striker. Now he's a big lad. You know what I mean? He could have done a job, but fortunately for us, the the, the formation that was picked worked. But that was solely well, sorry, not solely, but it was it was massively because of Tam Rogic. Because that, yet again, that guy was just absolutely phenomenal. Everything positive that was happening for the Celtic kind of midfield or forward was all come through Tom Rogic. Everything. Paddy, I he was could I say sorry for interrupting on the point that you raised that if you don't have a recognised centre forward the, the next logical step would be to, to promote youth. Um, I, I, I agree with the sentiments of that but Correct me if I'm wrong, I think him and the, the other boy Moffat, I think they, they um would were promoted to the, the senior training. Um the, the training with the senior team. And I think that if, if you're good enough and if you, you can actually hold your own in in the training sessions with the senior team, then the manager will have the confidence to play you as the, the number nine. Joey Dawson, as you said, he's he's a he's a big guy. Um he doesn't have to be big, he could be small like Kyogo, you know, as long as he can actually make an impact. So I, I agree that that is a logical thing, but I would also kind of say that sometimes if you don't miss, then the manager will just try and rejig it. And that's why I understand why he went with a strange and unusual approach of Turnbull. But I, I, as we know, you know, we got the three points in the end, um, Roger being the main man. And the other thing is, I think Roger could do that. Roger could play as a, the kind of false number nine. I remember in the member of the, the away victory over Aberdeen when we won 2 1, Roger was instrumental in the final goal where it was uh, played up to him. And I think he may have had his back to a defender and he managed to kind of shimmy around and then play in a pass, which led to the other pass, which was a goal. Um, that's the sort of thing that Roger can offer you playing as a, a centre forward. But apart from that, mobility would be. Um, not not as big as uh, a tribute, uh, so yeah. I, I I see it both ways. But Rodrik, by far more efficient playing in the kind of number ten role. But end of the day, like there's so many ways that we won at the end. Um, but referee watch, can I ask you about that referee watch? Uh, what did you think of the 
the, the, the officials for that game. There was a few offside calls, which should have been offside. Uh, I, I was sitting in direct line, um, uh, and I was watching the the, the Motherwell line. Uh, they, they, the Motherwell attackers, they had a few opportunities that it should have been flagged offside, and um, it was still let go. Um, that was really pissing me off, because like, we had, like, from where I was sitting, it was a, a, a perfect uh, vantage point to, to, to see it. Um, a few other times where like there should have been a few yellows. What did you think of that? Horrendous, mate. I think it was a you and Robertson was it? Uh, he was a referee. Uh, Anderson. Hey, sorry, you uh, and Anderson. I thought it was fucking horrendous. There was one. Uh, there, there was one in the first half, and basically our our player. We we'd get the we'd get the break of the ball, and we were literally going on to a counter attack, and. Our, our player get body checked to stop that that counter attack happening for the Motherwell uh, player, and the referee just fucking the, the, referee, the referee didn't even book it. It's a it's a straight booking. You know what I mean? It's, it's things like that, and you look at it, and you look at these fucking referees, and you're thinking, my God, these are fucking horrendous. He's either horrendous or he's a cheating. What is it? I think uh, I think this referee just to to throw in a bit of the conspiracy theories. I think this referee's actually lined up for the Rangers game this weekend as well, so it'll be interesting to see how many quiet words he has with the opponents, or rather, what would be just normal players. Because um, he seems to, this one, he seemed to be very happy to have quiet words with a lot of players, but a lot of the Motherwell fouls were getting to the getting to the point of, right, you've two, three, four in a row, which were all deemed yellow card worthy, but you're not getting anything, that sort of thing. And if a ref's going to want to play that way, I'm kind of all right with it. If you do that consistently across the board for both teams on the day and you do it consistently in your next couple of games as well, or a couple of games before sort of thing. So interesting to see what he does in the next few games. Happens to say, and I'm going to sound like one of the, the kind of paranoid Tims kind of thing here. Ewan Anderson, for me, came across as one of the few kind of I said on one of the forums the other day, 100% of referees in Scotland are just shit at their jobs. And I can say that because we're not getting paid and we're not going to get hauled up by any SFA or anything crap like that. They're just not really good at the job. They all failed to test a few years ago when they all had a fucking <laughs> test at Christmas time, I think five, six years ago. They all fucking failed it. That's the level we're at. Um, did anybody get punished punished for it? No, because nobody's a professional referee, so nothing can get done, but it's just fucking laughed about in the media. 100% of referees to me are just not good at the job, but a large percentage of them, in my opinion, are biased to a certain degree. Ewan Anderson falls into that small category of just being shit. Not biased, just being shit. And he was shit on fucking at the weekend. That he was. Hmm. Well, um, as we know, one of the ill cards that Motherwell did pick up was, I think it was a push just outside the box on Mikey Johnson, which led to the free kick. Um, as we know, Turnbull took it, Roger converted, and um, Graham Alexander, I think, I don't know if he got a yellow card, Graham Alexander being the, the Motherwell manager, I don't know if he got a yellow card for that, or if it was a, a different incident, just complaining no, about I, that in post I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure he was protesting that gap because he came out after the game and he says that it was a, it was a kind of light free kick. He basically, basically said it wasn't a free kick, but if you look at it, the, the guy's pushed to a player, you know what I mean? So, get up, you. 100%. 100%. Aye. But right, I, I like um, McGregor's... 
involvement in that free kick, though. He, as much as it was obviously Turnbull that plays it, Roderick that gets the shot, is clearly off the training ground. But you can see the leadership from McGregor and sitting in the middle in between the two players. You can see him organising and going, hold up a minute, guys. You there, you there, let's do this one. Obviously, dictating, let's play the, the training ground free kick. It, it worked a mm-hmm. beaut. Absolute beaut. Mm-hmm. See, 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 before we move on, right? Um, obviously, Forrest, Forrest came off injured and jo- uh, Mikey Johnson came off injured, but we're going to talk about it next. But there's a couple of comments, right? Uh, first one's to Kenny. He tried to make this comment earlier on. So Kenny says that he always liked Ronnie Dyler and felt some players chucked him under the bus because he wanted to change the culture at the club. That's absolutely spot on. Aye, well, there's, there's the old stories about the, the, the ketchup uh, scandal, <laughs> wasn't it? You know, that Lennon just basically let his players eat whatever and Ronnie Dyler came in and you know told them that the ketchup was off the table, so to speak. And you had guys well, like... That- so, that's what I mean by Collins. I think Collins is the one who took it too far at times. Both of them are very high on diets and fitness and athletes and all the rest of it, 24-7 athletes. But I think I, I want to believe Collins was the one that drove it too far with the ketchup kind of stuff. But maybe maybe it was Dial as well. <laughs> maybe it was. But, uh, the next comment... By the way, Pierce, Pierce. Was... Sorry, Gav, on you go. Personally, personally, if you want to outlaw ketchup, then Ahana... Go for it. Professional footballers eat ketchup when you get home. Like Conte, um, Conte is like renowned for that sort of thing. Man, like, you're professional athletes and you want to have chips, ketchup. See, to be honest, Gavin, I I don't actually disagree with the sentiment either. I'm I'm with you on it. I would go one step further. Personally, as much as I say that was Collins that done X, Y, and Z, or I believe it to be X, Y, Z, and he was a bigger issue than what Dial was. I'm actually probably more of the opinion that you might be, if I'm going to say this, and probably what guys like Conte are that you're at your workplace, you're being a f- professional footballer, getting paid tens of thousands of pounds. You, for me, you won't get an option of having chips and a burger or iron brew or tomato sauce, whatever. You'll be given legitimately a meal that will be designed by nutritionists and dietitians that will get you in the best shape of your life, sort of thing. What you do on the outside of the 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 work kind of place between match days or rest. That's on you, but you better fucking keep yourself in whatever shape it is that you need to do so that when you come back into your workplace, you're in top condition. I wouldn't give them an option. That was your... uh, Was was that your best John Collins impression there? Aye. (laughs) (laughs) Get what I mean. Uh, Aye. Listen, uh, the the last comment there before we were going to go as well was something that I actually spoke about. uh, I might have spoken about this with Dale the other day. Uh, Joe Agnew says, Hail, hail, boys. What about Ralston playing more up front plus you and Henderson getting a game? This is why our players are all injured, can't play other games as they are injured. Can I take um, this one? Um, for for, for Ralston, so in the second half, uh, whenever Forrest got injury, so correct me if I'm wrong, but Ralston came on and Josip Juranovic moved up to midfield and uh, Ralston moved into right back. So it was Juranovic who became more advanced and Ralston went into the right back. And what one of the punters um sitting behind me said that they were glad about that because because it was in the kind of nearing the end the end stages of the second half and he was fearing that we had to like shore up with physicality at the back and he saw that as a good point. That's what the punter said and I could see his point. Um but in terms of Joseph Agnew's point there about Ralston playing more up front, like he's He's quite actually quite effective at um, getting the crosses in, and I think that is through his physicality and his determination. Um, so 
I, I think maybe he could do a job, but McGinty, what would you prefer? Would you prefer Juranovic, who already has experience as a midfielder? But do you prefer him to be more advanced or Ralston to be more advanced if both of them are to play together, perhaps? Uh, neither. Um, I can see arguments for, obviously, if, if we're struggling for for players due to injuries, I think there was conversations a few days ago about possibly a badder playing up front uh, through the middle, forcing the right, making the left sort of idea. Perhaps through that situation, if Forrest comes off, then you, you look to play Ralston or Juranovic um, as a double up on the right side. It would be a very short fix, a very tem- temporary fix on a one-off basis for me. Push comes to shove from what I've seen of both of them. I'd put Ralston further up front. I think Ralston defensively, and this is still harking back to last season, two seasons, three seasons ago, I don't think he's that great, although he's proven otherwise this season. But this season as well, given his compliments for what he's done this season, he's made some great forward runs, great overlapping runs on the right side, great cutting in. He's set up a few goals, scored a couple of great goals by cutting in from the kind of right wing into the central positions. So if there's a choice between the two of them to play both on the right-hand side, I'd play Ralston just a little bit further up. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting question. And uh, by the way, uh, Ewan Hent... Yeah, is it Lean or Ewan? Fuck, I get them mixed Ewan. up. Henderson, Ewan. what one? Ewan, Ewan Henderson's Ewan. current. Aye. Liam's in Italy. Syria. Yeah, yeah. Aye, um... Ewan, uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see uh, more game time from him. Uh, I don't know what his perfect position is. I don't think he's a white man. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets more game time to see what he's capable of. Um, guys, do you want to move on? In fact, yeah, the injury crisis. So, no, in fact, well, fuck see, it. See before we dig up. Put the first comment about ketchup. So there's... There's Dell for the Celtics at There's always one Dell. There's always one. Who Dell loves the ketchup? I'm Mary, I'm Mary a brown sauce, man, to be honest. I, I was just um, going to say, if it was brown sauce, we wouldn't have any debate here. It would just be always on the menu. Right. Fuck it. This yeah, is getting too saucy. This, this is getting too saucy for me. Let's move on. <laughs> Fuck off. Right. Aye. Can can you take that banner away? Can I? We we need to mention the Green Brigade protest, the the, mm-hmm. the silent protest. Sorry, and then we'll move on, um, because it's still kind of part of the Motherwell game. So for the the entire the entire ninety minutes, um, so you've got you've got a few groups who are kind of uh, I don't want to use the word in cahoots, but you've got a few groups in unison who are um, uh, taking part in the the, the silence, uh, and this is the continuation of the protest against Bernard Higgins. Now this is like a a soap drama, and I don't mean that in a derogatory term, a soap drama which is continuing on and on, and I don't know who's going to blink for between the Celtic board and the Celtic support. So, uh, I remember I actually read a few comments for Juranovic. I think it may have been at half-time, um, whenever, because... The, the, the Celtic um, support are very, very quiet, unless you've got the songs by these particular groups, such as the North Cove, the Boys, the the Green Brigade. If they're if the choir is not on form, then to be honest, the the, the Celtic um, support mostly mostly don't really sing. I don't think you could dispute that. Um, so Giranic was actually talking about it in his comments to say that the, the players were very much aware of that and just. Um, 
whenever we scored the goal, I think it was just before half time, the crowd came alive. And that must have been so noticeable for the, the players going into the, the dressing room and saying, fucking hear that, we didn't know where they were, but then all of a sudden we scored the goal and they're, they're totally behind us. Um, very, very noticeable. But McGinty, with the, the, the protest, the, 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 the silence, it doesn't really help the team. Yes, they're probably making the point to the board, but who's going to blink first? Would you prefer to... to are you are you cool with us? Would you like to see them continue? Or would you prefer to see a different variation in protest, such as a boycott of the, the Celtic um, megastore, the, the, the Celtic shops, that sort of thing. That will hit the, the club where it hurts, but it's not really going to hurt the, 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 the living on the field. What's your thoughts on that? That's a bit of a, a loaded question. Uh, how much time do we have tonight, guys? Uh, how, how far do you want me to go on this one? Um, for me, personally, uh, I'm fine with it. The silent protest, I'm fine with it. Um, Obviously, I, I get that everybody wants Celtic Park to be to be jumping. We want it to be rocking. We want the the fans to be all singing the songs from every corner, every stand, every seat, every week, if we can. We know that's not always the case, and when it comes to it, we're we're generally renowned for our noise in the stadium. So I understand it, and I can see why the silent protest was a choice option. For this game, well, for the last couple of games, um, it makes a statement. If for not for two things, I don't know if that's the right term that I'm using. For two reasons, though, it makes a good statement. One, it takes notice by the players. It's good to hear that you just said that Jovanovic has made point about that. The players are taking notice. They're going to be talking about it in the in the dressing room on the training pitch now. The manager's going to have taken notice of it. I know fine well Ange Postecoglou who's took notice of these made comments as well. That's going to filter up the chain, hopefully. Let's not have that settle in. It's good that we've got the wind because we can't blame the fans for, for that negativity outside of it. But the, the other, I think what personally I feel a silent protest does for a club like Celtic, who is known for the Green Brigade, the North Curve, overall, all the, the support clubs, not support clubs, but all the fan groups in there making the, the, the noise every game. We're known for that across Europe. As much as Dortmund are known for the, the yellow wall and stuff like that, we're known for that. And clubs, other fans, ultras and other clubs are taking note that Celtic Park is falling silent for some reason. Now, this might not make much of a difference really, but it's one little extra step in the, the long line of things that the fans need to do, escalating the, the issue a little bit further, that now hopefully we get more support from other clubs. Obviously, we're not going to get much support from Scottish football, but we get more support from other clubs out there who are taking note of the reason why we're doing this. Maybe it just puts a little bit more reputational pressure on the board not to do what we still fear they're about to do. Yeah, My hope, though, yeah. is that actually we continue to escalate. So we started it off by saying, you know, making noise on online forums and message boards and Twitter and stuff like that. Let's not go down the Bernard Higgins route. We then done the uh, the sit-ins after the game. So we, we didn't affect the, the fans didn't affect the game. They done the sit-in afterwards. We've done the, uh, the open letter, which we as a podcast have uh, signed up to to agree with the letter as well. And now the fans are going into the, the next days of silent protest. I think it's a, a reasonable escalation of things to come. And I would expect at some point we might escalate it to outside protests where there might be a, a few chants and a few banners and stuff. 
But we know what the Celtic board's like when we do that. They just basically lock the doors and tell us to fuck off. So we've been in that stage before. We're now trying it from a different approach. Let's see if it actually works. I'm, I'm for it. It's not ideal. We want the noise. We want the atmosphere. But what else can we really do? Well, there is the, the popular opinion that the board are heartless bastards. I think that a silent protest, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I think a silent protest is going to hurt the players more in the short term than the board in the short term. I think with the board what? being financially financially motivated, it would hit them more if we hurt them in the pockets. Um, more than likely, Gavin, more than likely, but we had that opportunity a few months ago when we announced no manager and yet we announced season tickets being on sale. And we all collectively, as a fan group, as a whole support base, had that choice and that opportunity then when this club announced season ticket sales with no manager. And what did the fans right. do? We but, all but bought I, into it. I think, so financially, we, I think we, that, we, we, we've given up that route. Yeah, I think Bernard Higgins thing has is, uh, is, uh, changed the landscape entirely. That That's it's very much an emotional um an emotional wedge um, that, that, that's came through between the fans and the boards, which is just taking it that, that wee bit further. I think it's much more um, charged. Um, Paddy, um, we've already, do you have your, your, two, uh, your tuppence worth on that before we move on to the injury crisis? Uh, I could probably go on all night, Gav, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll say that I, I, I agree with the, the stance that these guys are taking. And I know, I know that it is affecting the atmosphere. Celtic Park, right? there's, there, there's no question in that. But you've got to look at a couple of things here. These guys are, as McGinty said, they're doing it for a reason. This isn't just a kind of toys with the pram thing, as I've seen a lot of comments about the, the, the aim towards these, these groups. Now, this, is, this has been an escalation. And now, an open letter was sent out with an invitation to the, the acting CEO, Michael Nicholson, to they were asking for a, a sit down meeting, a, a, a conversation so that they could air their views, right? That's all this is. The board haven't even had the decency to answer them back, right? So the guys are saying, well, if you are going to give us silence, we have given you silence. And they've released all the, they've released the letters and they've said that the, we will stop this silence immediately, immediately, if you will give us some sort of communication about willing to sit down and speak to us. We're not saying that we're going to remain silent forever. We're not saying that if you appoint Higgins, we're going to be, sorry, I say we, this is the, the letter. They're not saying that uh, if you appoint Higgins, then we're going to be silent forever. They're saying, please answer us because we've asked you. We've asked you nicely. These are just ignoring us. So mm. you'll be getting silence back. And do I, I sat, Gav, I sat and watched that. I sat, I sat and watched over again the, the video on, on the, the Fans Against Criminalisation site. Now, if you look at some of the, the absolute horrendous behaviours and actions that was aimed towards football fans, Celtic fans and football fans across Scotland when this uh, Offensive Behaviour at Football Act was brought in. It's, it was an absolute disgrace. And your man Higgins was a, a, very much a focal part of it. Now, the thing that's starting to, start to gall me with this board is that the board actually came out later on in the years and the time of this bill and they actually came out against it. They actually came out against the way that people were being treated. You know, people were being dragged out their house. People were getting to jail. The the the, the conviction rate was was fucking t terrible, but the arrest rate 
the 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 court fucking rates and all that were, were sky high. So people were getting arrested for all sorts of crimes and they weren't getting convicted yet. And as I say, the board actually the board actually came out against it and now the board is now trying to bring in one of these senior figures who was so much important uh, uh, played a, an important part in the victimization of Celtic supporters, not just Celtic supporters, football supporters. So how how can these guys look themselves in the face? You know what I mean? You look at you look at the you look yeah, at the, yeah. the Green Brigade, the guys in the North Cove, all the guys that bring out this support, they don't need to do it, they do it after their own backs. How people people are moaning because of silence for a couple of games. See if this guy Higgins gets the job, there's gonna be people getting dragged out the game during that. There won't be anybody left to sing at all. You know what I mean? So I, look, you know what? Look, look, we know we know the reasons. We know the reasons that they're protesting. Um, I'm just raising the question, is this form of protest going to hurt the team more than it's going to hurt the board? That's the question I'm raising. Um, so last point for Celtic Supporters Podcast, as much as I don't agree with the silent protest, you can't chastise those groups um, whenever 57,000 sit and sing fuck all um, instead of moaning, fucking sing. Um, yeah, aye. aye. Um, th- th- there's definitely two sides to the argument. Let's move on to the injury crisis. Um, in fact, no, we've got Kenny here. Kenny saying, I'm 100% against Higgins being anywhere near the other club, but this protest is causing issues between fans. Um, atmosphere and 414 on Sunday was occasionally toxic. The team badly need our support. In fact, I was at the game and I remember hearing um, a chant rise up from a certain section to say, you can stick your silent protest up your ass." Um, it wasn't the <laughs> the most melodic chant I've ever heard. I, but I, I, and fun. Funnily enough, Gav, that's probably the first time that they actually opened their mouths. You know what I mean? Was to was to make that chant instead of backing the team. So Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Um I <laughs> I think we've got a few disagreements here tonight as well. Um look, look, that, that's me, part I, of I, the I, podcast. Aye, aye. Yeah, okay, I won't I won't drag it out any further. Uh, definitely an emotionally charged um uh, topic, but the question is, is it done in the right uh, channel? Um, some people say yes, yeah, some people say no. But the injury crisis is something that we can all agree upon. It's not fucking fun, is it? Uh, so Forrest is out injured and George, Mikey Johnson also taken off injured. So do we have enough to combat this injury crisis? Um, every week is a big week and, um, in this month of December. We're uh, clinging on to the coattails of Rangers right now. We're four points behind, and those pricks are still churning out the results. We are still churning out the results too, so we've been doing magnificently, but it does seem like luck is against us. Um, we've got Giamakis out, we've got Ajeti out, we've got Kyogo out, and we've got Forrest out as well. Um, and, and Johnson, he, he might be a, a, a doubt for, for tomorrow night's game against Ross County. And it's... Paddy, I have to kind of agree with you. I disagreed with you a couple of weeks back when you raised the point. Is it symptomatic of the um the, the intensity of the training um, by Posacoglu? And at one point, I, I was thinking, no, they had a good pre-season, so they should all be fit. They should all be um uh, ready uh, to, to, to meet the demands of Posacoglu. But I think it's been a bit of a shock to the system. It's probably... I, I was probably a kind of... You were right. I was wrong. I think that's the point well, I wanted to. Well, make. well, well. See, well, just just as you say that, Gav, I was watching the the press conference with Poster Coglu, and he actually said that the like injury crises and injury crisis like this uh, is common in his first year with a new squad, uh, which 
is, uh, it appears to be that way because you, you look at how much he's pushing the guys. And I'm sure he said the other day that he's he's prepared to push his players to the limits. Whether or no he's pushing them by those limits, he doesn't know yet because he, he, he's trying to instill a, an intensity into the squad. So guys are obviously going to have to, to step up to the mark on that. But he also said that if if he was to, to, to drop that kind of levels of intensity and the way he, he wants his players to play, uh, he says that if they change the way they train and play, he, if he thinks it would help, but he's not going to do it because he doesn't think we'll be as successful on the pitch if he does change it. So I, 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 think, I think there's a bit of logic behind that, but when you look at how Fred Bear the squad was at the start, you know, what what well, my former players are dropping the flies. <sighs> Thank God it's coming up to, towards the end of the year, in a sense. But not really, because we've got so many games to play. But we definitely need to get bodies in in January. And if you're talking about like the guys like uh, Hatati coming in, Maeda, uh, the other Japanese fella, I can't remember his name. Um, that, that, that's going to, that's going to beef you. up the... Well said. Um, that's going to beef up the numbers in a positive way, hopefully. But again, like yeah, yeah, you're losing big players like your your Jota's, uh, Furuhashi as well. Who else? Uh, Forrest. Forrest was obviously he was he was he he picked up a he picked up a slight injury the other day, and then he had to play on Sunday, and he pulled up again when he was when he was galloping down the left hand side. You saw it in the replay when he was running. He winced. You know, you, you could see that he done something. So instead of taking his man on, he stopped. Kind of grabbed the back of his leg whilst he was still playing football, passed it away instead of taking the man on. And then you, you look at a guy like Mikey Johnson, who's had to come in and be mere, uh, mere of a feature because of Jota's injury. I think he came on in the he came on in the 18th minute um, and he had to come off again. I think it was like 76 minutes, something, something along the lines. Um, so that's, he's, he's had the unfortunate of uh, being subbed as a sub. But that's through injury again. So, it's, it's, Gav, it's one of the ones. It's, it's hard to it's hard to kind of judge because you can see that players are being stretched to the limit. The manager's telling you that, but he's also telling you that he's not going to change his ways. So, what, what, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, well put, well summed up. Beginning kind of last word on the injury crisis. Do we have enough to see it through until? the end of this month and, and, and by the way it all culminates to the 2nd of, of January that's the big one so we'll try to get all these fucking results but 2nd of January is the big one against Rangers probably no is, is the real answer here um, but as I said earlier on with the, the result against Motherwell and so many games and whatnot, I'll take 1-0 wins Bournemouth as fo- football if we can just start making sure that we're getting players back at a reasonable rate and not risking them too much. So if it's sluggish games, players out of positions, maybe not the strongest players in each position just to see us through, but still get the wins, I'll fucking take it. Um, as far as, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we need more players in. We need, um, we need, seeing Forrest and Mikey going off injured, it's almost like who else do we actually have? Jot is out, Mikey's out. Forces out, it might end up playing Liam Scales at left back and uh, Greg Taylor on left wing at one point, and the same on the right side with uh, Ralston and Juranovic. 
if that's what it costs us, then so be it. Although, surely, we Karamoko Dembele must be due back sometime soon to play on the right wing. We'll see, we'll see the good thing is, I mean, I, I know obviously what we're kind of dropping what flies in the forward areas, but we're getting guys back from injury. I, yeah, Starfield's back. He played well again at the weekend with, with Big Carter Vickers. Um, who else? Greg, Greg Taylor came back. I thought, I, I, thought actually, I thought actually Greg Taylor had a, a, a no bad game. I, I think he grew out of the game. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be fucking hard. He's five foot nothing, man. Oh, I don't oh, think that the, the defence the, the is not a worry right now um, in terms of like goals conceded in the league we know we, we know what we're, we're very very good defensively actually um which is like kind of going against the popular narrative in the media but the injury crisis is really hurtful up front and that's where you've got the most pressing um the, the, those players from middle to front they are really, really pressing like fuck, and that's where we're dropping like flies. And I think, like Joseph Agnew picked up on it earlier on about people like uh, Ewan Henderson, I think he might actually feature more. Um, if uh, well, we need a badder, like fuck, a badder, like was like at the bottom of the pecking order at one point. Um, but we really, really have to rely upon him. We need him to um show his confidence and start getting a putting in some uh, good performances. But if Forrest is out. We need Mikey to be on form. We need him to actually be fit. We need a badder to be doing well. Without those guys, then we've got no width. Like, who the fuck is going to provide us with any width? I don't know. Well, as you, as, you, as, as one you said earlier on, um, you know, you could put, potentially, if needs be, you could play Taylor at left back. You could play uh, Ralston at right back. You could play... Sorry, sorry, you could play Scales at left back, you could play Ralph's at right back, you could play Taylor, kind of left wing, or Yaranovic's right wing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, some, it's something that teams have got to they've got to deal with at times, you know. And that's when that's when we should be we should be using the full squad that we've got. I know it's kind of thread there. I mean there's 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 Kenny say that uh, if you look at Peps, Guardiola's and Klopp's first seasons at the clubs, they had the same issues with soft tissue injuries. Took a season to get it sorted with players getting used to the intensity. So that's exactly that alludes to exactly what I said. Costa Coglu was his comments at the, at, the, at the press conference. So, aye, it's no ideal. But as McGinty said, if we can still continue the momentum and keep turning out these results, then ideal. Because I think we've only lost one game in 15, you know, and this is yeah. this is where is this is where is a depleted squad. And I think, True. you know, Furuhashi's going to be back soon. Hopefully he's back for the cup final. I know Jota's out for the cup final. But obviously we go to uh, Dingwall on Sunday, which is going to be another test. But if we can continue to pass teams off the park, and, you know, and we can continue to rely on guys like Roderick, you know, being being an absolute magician and pulling us out of a hole, instead of like a rabbit out of the hat, which he's been doing, then that's a, that's ideal, but we just we just need to just need to fucking pull the socks up, mate, and go on with Very true, very true. Right, let's move on to the Europa Conference draw, or which I refer to as Europa Sexy draw, and we have drew the Norwegian champions Bodo Glimps, or I would actually refer to them as Bodo Grimm. They're from the Northern Arctic Circle in Norway. It sounds fucking grim. This is a place where. Like ships go missing, where people die because of polar bears. Um, <laughs> these, 
the, the, this team, this team, um, champions two years in a row in Norway. Um, so they're beating like some mold. By the way, last last season, last season, they 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 they, they walked the league by over twenty points, and I think just on Sunday there, they they uh, became champions by three points superior to mold. Um, now these are quite. Uh, this is quite an interesting team because whenever I, I heard of it, me being ignorant, I, I hear Bodo Glimt, I'm like. Fuck, I don't know anything about them. Surely they'll be uh, easy pickings. But no, no, they're not. Um, the, the, the most kind of um, well-publicised thing about them is that they, they beat Roma uh, 6-1 at home. Like, mm. fucking hell. Uh, Jose Mourinho's team. Uh, I watched the highlights of that. So, yeah, so they, they beat them 6-1 at home and then they went away to, um, what is it, Estadio Olimpico and they, they drew two each in Rome. Uh, this is a team who play 4-3-3. Um, they've got a few Norwegian internationals. They do look like a stereotypical um, Scandinavian team in terms of like, like tall, athletic. But they're, they're a young team. Um, I don't think they're easy pickings at all. Uh, so, what what was your McGinty, What was your first impressions whenever you heard we drew uh, Bodo Grimm? Uh, were you optimistic? Were you fearful? Uh, a little bit fearful, but not because I know too much about them, but just because of the very few things that we've we've all kind of got to know about them in the last kind of year or so. Obviously, the, the Roma scalps are big scalps. You, you have to take notice of that. Same with, uh, if you look at the that, that team Sheriff who have playing was at Real Madrid's group. They've yeah. um, they, These are teams that, yeah, we've recognised the name in their European context of being a team that you, you kind of see in the qualifying rounds or whatever. But you would normally think, all right, they'll be fine. We'll get them in the the second qualifying round leg. We'll we'll get rid of them easy enough. Maybe you know a tricky away leg or whatever. But you wouldn't think too much about it. But the, these teams are now showing up in the group stage and actually putting in good performances. And from what I'm led to believe, it's not just the Roma scalp. They've actually shown themselves up quite well. Uh, I just actually just while you're having that intro to the the topic there, Gavin, I, I wanted to have a look and see. How far north are this mob in Norway? And yeah, you're right, pretty fucking far north. They're a lot further north than I am, and I tell you, it's, it's pretty cold and windy up here just now. <laughs> they, um, judging by the map, they are as further from from where I am in Shetland to Bodo Glimp. That distance is further than it is from here to London. It shows you the kind of the scale of how far north they must be, and even more so if you need to know how far north on Google Maps, the further north than the top end of Iceland. So it's, it's got to be one hell of an away trip for, for coldness, I'll tell you that, because it's pretty fucking Aye. grim up here right now. Aye. Uh, Paddy, Paddy, this was a, a team who, um, they were defeated actually by Josip Juranic's Legia Warsaw. That was in first qualifier for the Champions League. But then moving into the group stage, as we know, they, they beat Roma at home. They do with Roma away. But the other two teams that they faced in the Europa group stage was uh, Zoria Luhansk from Ukraine. Again, a home win. And they drew away. And finally, CSKA Sofia, who I think Killian Sheridan might have played for them, for, for Bulgaria. And again, they won at home. They drew away. These guys never never lost a game, um, which, regardless of who you play in Europe, that is something to be said. Now, because it's so far up north, it's hard to maintain a grass pitch. So they, these guys actually play on AstroTurf. And I think I that's thought. actually a blessing, a blessing in disguise. Because otherwise, otherwise you're putting on your fucking um, your, your, your ice skates, playing on, on grass. That That's an injury concern. So 
um, Ashutafa is. And a good thing, by the way, is we're going to be playing them in February. Now, their, their season has just finished there at the weekend. So they're still mm. going to be, they're, they're going to have a break. The players are going to have like whatever, a month break. In February, I think the 17th, whenever we play our first game against them at Parkhead, they're only going to be doing the pre-season of that. So you know what it's like for us. We get caught cold every fucking August or July it is in the, 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 the Champions League qualifiers. We're like fish out of water at that point, you know. So hopefully it's going to be the same for them, that they're going to be vulnerable and we can take advantage of them. That, that's uh, a very thoughts, good point, Gavin. That's a very good point because that's exactly what we think. It's, it's a, the flip alternative, isn't it? Then we come up against the the, the Russians and the Norwegian mobs. Uh, sorry, mobs makes it, makes it sound so negative. Uh, but when we come up against these teams in qualifying, that is always the first thing that we say is, oh, look, they're 14 games into a season and we're two games into preseason. This is a disaster for us and it's always a tricky tie. So that's a great point to bring up there, Gavin, is that, yeah, this game is going to be a preseason game for them. Uh, a very good point. And <clears throat> they'll want to win it. There's no doubt about it. They will want to win it. The, the financial revenue that will come from them getting into the... Did we go into the last 16 or did more teams drop down after this round of the last 32? I can't remember. Um, but there's more money to be to be garnered by going into the next round. It might only be a few hundred thousand or just shy of a million, but that's more money for a team like Bodo Glint, even a team like ourselves, that you want to have at your disposal. So they, they will be going for this game and they'll be uh, encouraged by the performances against the likes of Roman stuff. So let's not take them lightly, but a great point nonetheless to, to acknowledge it. They're going to be early days in the season. Well, see, 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 another hopeful kind of point is that if their season's finished, you know, and they've they've played reasonably well in Europe, is that potentially they could have a few players signed from them. You know, obviously we 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 teams opening up in the the January transfer window. So if they're if they're at the end of the season and they've got, I'm pretty sure that the, the guy that scored a couple of goals against Roma can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I'm sure he was actually being looked at by Roma and another Italian team to, to, to sign him in January. So that would be a bonus to Their captain, captain in the centre midfield, um, Berg, uh, who got a few goals. He actually said in an, yes, in an interview, Patrick yeah, Patrick Berg. Did he not play um, Copenhagen or something as well? He may have done so, may have done so. Um, but he said in an interview that he's got one year left in his contract and it's best if the club sell him to make money. And that's what they've been doing. Last season, they, they sold a bunch of players to France, Germany, Spain. Um, but another question for you, Paddy. Um, so, again, we're learning more about this club as we, we kind of progress. But you're for uh, the East End of Glasgow, so you've probably um, seen a, a few kind of funny, funny characters, funny, funny sights in your time living there. But what would your impression be whenever the, this mob visit us and you've got a group of uh, Norwegians marching up the Gallagate clad in yellow and brandishing giant toothbrushes? Uh, well, the first thing I would probably do would be to send them down towards Brigton because I don't know if they know what a toothbrush is. Where do you give me that toothbrush? It's, it's... <laughs> right, okay, so this is part of their tradition. They, the, 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 the fans are synonymous with... Uh, giant toothbrushes. Um, so whenever we actually visit them, 
they're going to hand our captain Calmac a toothbrush. That, that this is what they've been doing since like the seventies. Um, right. The fans, what the, the fans, they carry about giant toothbrushes. And the crowd, I don't know if it's a weapon. So that's another thing. Like, have you ever seen like, a giant toothbrush being used as a weapon in the Gallagher before? I do not know. I no. think that's going to be something new. I no, don't know how the Polis are going to tackle that. I've seen one being used in Berlin, though. <laughs> <laughs> all, you need, all you need to do is melt a cut. All you need to do is melt a cut of razor blades on it, and that's you sorted for a chip. Yeah. Well, like, like, like Portland Timbers, who are playing the other night against Ronald Alistair, they're, they're synonymous with them. Whenever their, their team score a goal, they, they get a chainsaw and they they, 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 they saw off a, a bit of timber. Um, no, but I, these I, guys, these guys are different. They walk about with giant toothbrushes. That's the thing. Aye. I sent you that first, didn't what, what I'm hearing here, fair, guys. Fair, is fair enough, mate. At least it gives you something to smile about, I suppose. What I'm hearing here, guys, is we, we need some sort of little sketch every time we score. We'll get, we'll get the leprechauns coming out or something and throwing money at a pot of gold or something. Well, we need to bring in the the entertainment value and get the, I don't know. We need to do something apparently. Apparently, this is what's getting talked about in football now. So, I, I, maybe we I, should I, do something like that. Well, listen, you, you can get the jail. For you, you can get the jail here for walking about with a flag as an offensive weapon. So, I'd love to see one of these poor Norwegian guys up in court on the Monday morning. Aye, uh, up in court for brandishing a, a an offensively large toothbrush. You know what I mean? Do you do you bristle at the idea of that? No, I'd, prob- I'd probably just brush it off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> mate, hey, fucking... The co- hey, let's move on to a fresh take. I've heard of the ice cream wars, but no, the fucking Colgate wars, huh? Oof. That was <laughs> Right, okay, okay. Um, anyway, enough of us tubes about that. True. Right, okay, so tomorrow night... Uh, we've got Ross County. Uh, Ross Ooh. County are sitting joint bottom on 14 points. Um, they've actually played, they've played 16, they've won three, they've drawn five and lost eight. Now, I was looking over their past few fixtures, and um, even whenever they played Rangers at Ibrox, they, they, they still managed to score two goals. But in their past like five or so fixtures, um, they've uh, managed to get draws and managed to get wins, but it's all been like one goal margins here or there. So these guys are very, very frugal. They're very, very stingy when it comes to uh, conceding goals. Um, historically, nobody, nobody fucking enjoys going up to Dingwall <laughs> to play Ross County on a cold uh, tomorrow. Will be Wednesday uh, on a cold Wednesday night in Dingwall. Yeah, nobody likes that, um, and especially whenever we've got our injury crisis. I think I think we're going to have to just man up, um, roll the sleeves up, and fucking go for it. Um, it's going. It's looking a difficult one on paper. McGinty, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's never an easy place to go. Um, Ross County, Dingwall. It's it's a long slog of a journey. Where we've got a lot of injuries, we're trying to nurse our way through these fixtures. On paper, the what do you say? The second bottom, joint bottom, or whatever it is. Joint bottom. It, yeah. it, it should be easy enough on paper. But it's never easy enough in Ross County. I remember a game a few years ago, sitting with the old man watching it, and I think it was like 1-0 or something going into the last 10 minutes. And it was one of those games, much like the Motherwell game just passed, a case of, are we going to have enough to see this out? And 1-0 is not going to be enough, and all the rest of it, you're worried about that second goal. And then all of a sudden, in the last eight minutes of the Ross County game, I think it was, we, we ended up scoring three goals. And it was like a 4-0 game. And it, 
if Flattered to Deceive that were that good, it's going to be something similar, I think. It's going to be a slog. Um, I'm not expecting to be firing on all cylinders. And I don't think Ange is going to expect it either. I'll go back to what I said against Motherwell. 1-0 win, see it through, no injuries, I'll be happy. Aye, aye. Well, as you can, you're alluding to, um, every every game that we play right now with a depleted squad, the next game is always the potential banana skin. Paddy, do you think tomorrow will be the will be the time where we lose points, or are you still confident? Uh, I'm I'm kind of unsure the now because we're obviously we're missing missing key guys up front. We're at bare bones in the attacking areas. We're going up to Ross County on a horrible Wednesday night. You know, it's Malky Mackay's team, so you know fine well that their defenders are going to be kind of rugged, horrible. But they've, they've got a couple of decent players in Ross County. I mean, they've got that uh, Dominic Samuel up front, who's decent calibre. I think he played with Blackburn two years ago. You've got the guy, uh, Charles Cook, on the wing. He'll, he'll come and have a go at your fullbacks. You've, also, you've got that guy in awe. Uh, I don't know his first name. Uh, just He's got a lovely second name it's a humbo and I, 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 he was he scored an absolute screamer uh, i think it was last month i think it go with the month um so he's another guy on the wings that can that can be a, be a horrible night but listen it's, it's one of the ones we just need to turn up we need to convert our chances if and when we get them because that's something that we've not been doing even way you know a full lineup up front we don't we don't score enough of the chances that we create we absolutely dominate possession. We pass it well, but we just don't convert enough chances. And tomorrow night, it's going to be even harder because we're lacking key players. But, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be dependent on guys like Rogic, um, Abada. I would, Abada needs, I, would want, uh, I would want Ralston to play tomorrow for the physicality. Aye, move, aye, move, move Juranovic back to left back. Absolutely. And do you know what I'd you know probably do? There, Gav, I'd, I'd probably play Ralston at right wing. And move Abada to the left, but Abada really needs to. He needs to play a game tomorrow night. He needs to turn up because it's something that I don't think he's done enough of this season. Um, so I so we're, we're going to need everybody at full strength tomorrow night. Um, defenders, defenders, I'm sure will be comfortable enough because they have been playing well. Obviously, you've got big Joe Hart at the back who's been immense. You know, you just look at that that double save against Motherwell, it's incredible. So aye, so fingers crossed and. Hopefully, got another result. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the fear. Uh, almost. I, I know. I might, I might just getting the fear. I might, talking about it. I, I might have a few beers tomorrow to settle my nerves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Ah, yeah. And the morning night, I think um Rangers are playing at home to St Johnson. Um. I was hoping that Hearts would take points off them at the weekend, but they did not. Even though they did pepper their goal. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, um, luck will come in the, the strangest of places. Maybe, maybe St. Johnson might do as a return tomorrow. But the other, the other big thing uh, at the end of this week, McGinty, is uh, the Celtic and Hibs. So it's the cup final, and it's something that, that Rangers are not in. It's us. We are there on merit and Hibs. And, and again, why I should throw in this one? So Hibs, they have lost uh, Jack Ross. They've been on a, a shite run, but. Um, it's like the first time that they've actually kind of been, maybe, it's the first kind of crisis point that they had under Jack Ross. I think they might have pulled the trigger too early uh, for that one. But one thing is, um, how will Hibs be for this weekend? Do you think they'll be in disarray? And a, a wee rumour that we've heard today was uh, Sean Maloney um, 
might be a kind of potential candidate for the manager's job. Um, better than fucking Neil Lennon. I think Neil Lennon's uh, linked with Ipswich, perhaps. But yeah, how do you think Hibs will be for this weekend? And what type of shape, what, what type of mentality? And uh, what do you make of the rumour about Sean Maloney? Um, shape, mentality, don't give a fuck, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They've not got a manager. I hope that screws them over a little bit because I want us to win. Um, I, I think it comes down to, again, I've, I've said it three four times now, if we win 1-0 at the weekend, no injuries and we lift the cup, I'll be happy, extremely happy. I won't be expecting anything major, although I will will obviously expect that we do win the game. We should always have enough to win these games of footballs. Um, as for the Sean Maloney rumour, and we'll give it a little bit of time because obviously Sean Maloney, the prodigal son, as he was once named at Celtic, I think it'd be a great appointment for both. Sean Maloney and Hibbs. Hibbs will get the experience and knowledge that he's garnered for the last three, four years under the, the watch of Martinez at Belgium and stuff. He, he's worked with some class players at Belgium. You look at the Hazards and the... Um, why is his name went Lukaku. from the top of the head? Thank you, Lukaku. Uh, I was going to say Benteke there for some reason, but yeah, Lukaku. De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne. De Bruyne you know, the, the class that he's worked with, the level that he's worked with, uh, worked at, the, Boy, the Boyata. Boyata, what a player. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's worked with some you know, truly world-class players, and he's obviously not going to bring those world-class players to Hibs. Not a fucking chance in hell. But he'll bring the the mentality. He'll bring the the knowledge that those players are bringing to to the national side at Belgium and vice versa. So I think it'd be a great appointment for Hibs. It'll be very forward thinking, ready, very modern, given a young guy like Sean Maloney and the the coaching kind of managerial aspect of it. It'll be a great opportunity for both of them, and it's an opportunity that John Kennedy was pitched to have. Was it just before yep. Jack Ross took the job as well? So they, they maybe yeah. they've looked beyond Jack, uh, John Kennedy now for, for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't happy last season with how he handed, handled the big job at Celtic. Maybe Celtic have basically closed the door to any job like that for John Kennedy. For John Kennedy because he's obviously happy at the job now and he's very happy with him here, so that's all, all good. So it's a, it's a good move for both, I think. And I think it would be great to see Sean Maloney back in the SPFL, back at a club like Hibs especially in green and white, and uh, seeing what he can do. Just hopefully they don't sign him until Monday morning. By the way, do you, do you know who his assistant manager's going to be? FMRs? Oh, well, well, let, let me think. Oh, Gary Caldwell. Gary, Gary, Gary Caldwell. Really, eh? <laughs> I, I guess at least Gary Caldwell's acknowledged that he's not a number one. He's definitely number two. I. <laughs> Really, I Gary Caldwell is number two, and Sean Maloney is the number one. Yeah, it's not the worst. Well, pairing, you, you, it's not the worst pairing as a man, man duo. You definitely, you, you definitely can't see Sean Maloney being being the, the kind of the shouting manager, the aggressive manager. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess like some people do surprise you. Whenever I heard Kieran Tierney a few years ago talk about Calmac as captain material for Celtic. That, that surprised me. And even when Cal Mack was made captain, I know that I'm totally digressing here, but I'll bring it back to the point. Um, whenever Cal Mack was made captain this season, I was thinking, ah, he doesn't really strike me as captain material, but he really fucking is. He's, he's, 
he, he's just really surprised me. And sometimes you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, which is what I had done. So I think whenever you look at Sean Maloney, the wee kind of small guy, um, he looks kind of meek, looks rather timid. But I think, um, as McGinney said about the, the, the football knowledge that he's garnered, I think that maybe he could surprise a few people. Maybe he could make a, a breakthrough. Maybe he could forge a career as a manager. Well, well, Certainly, bit, the experience he's had with Belgium. You better not do it on Sunday. Well, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> long as he, so long as they sign him on Monday morning, we'll be happy. We won't have to see him lose, and equally, we won't have that risk that he beats us. So Monday morning will be good. Well, as, as you say, if if he signs on Monday morning, that's fucking neither here nor there. So it's going to be it'll be David Gray who's who will be taking charge of Hibs, uh, the guy that scored that memorable winner against the the Sethco. Those years ago for Aaron Stubbs. Um, so he's he's going to be the manager. So he's he's a guy that loves Hamden. Um, but you know, you're, you're hoping for us that we're going to be coming into the game with a, a result against Ross County. And hopefully coming back with, with Kyogo being in the in the in the first team because I know that Postacoglu was asked about Kyogo and if he's going to be fit, and he said that Kyogo said he is fit. But the physio department has said he's at least two to three weeks away. Um, I think I don't know. It's going to be a hard one. It really is. I feel um, sorry. I feel sorry for like the guys like him and Jota who have been like, on brilliant form this season. I feel so sorry for them that they miss out on a bit of silverware. <laughs> Potentially, but like, I, I'm fucking taking it for granted that we're going to win. Um, I feel sorry for them, but I feel sorry for myself that I'm going to have to watch whatever fucking uh, team that we assemble um, for, for for this weekend and like, try, try and make it through because I'll be nervous. Like, like you, you'll always be nervous to an extent. Like, we're not going into it with like everybody available. Um, we don't know who's who's going to make it through the, the game tomorrow night. Um, hopefully, hopefully, adrenaline will just like carry everybody through. And they'll be fit for the game, but fuck me, man. Um, like I, w- I wouldn't say that Hibs are, are like a devastating team. I- I'd be more fucking worried about Ryan Porteous and who he might, who he might injure. You know, um, the guys. I know that the guy is uh, being winged up, but the the goblins on the other side of the city. But um, Porteous is capable of a nasty challenge. Mm. He's also. He's know. also. He's also capable of a red card as well, so let's well, hope. That's what I was just going to say there, Paddy. If if, if we take the uh, media narrative of Ryan Porteous, then you'd expect him to be sent off on, on Sunday because if he plays that kind of game and if he's being ref, refereed in the same fashion, he, he's more likely to be sent off. Although it might actually be because he ends up injuring one of our players. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to utilise the squad uh, to, to the maximum. Um, and as Kenny just said there, by the way, Kenny, thank you so much to yourself and to uh, Joseph Agnew and to the Celtic Supporters Podcast for um, for weighing in with your points tonight. But Kenny's saying, worried about tomorrow night's game. And as for the cup final, it's going to be very difficult as Hibs will well be up for it. We really need to put the chances away when the opportunity arises in games. And I think it's just one of the ones we've got so many games coming that we need to take just game by game by game. I don't think yeah, we've got yeah. the option of looking forward to the weekend. We also had a wee comment there for Feed the Bear. How you doing, mate? Sorry. Overlooked that. Uh, but no, you, ne- you never get blocked, mate. You're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. Um, right, guys. Uh, 
can I maybe a wee bit nervous looking looking forward to the next couple of games? Um, uh, for what for what's at stake, you know, I'd be so happy, so happy for Ange if he gets his hands on that 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 cut for Celtic, and so happy for the players as well. Um, but anyway, we've been through uh, a few interesting topics tonight, um, so thanks very much for that. Um, and to the viewers again, thank you so much for tuning in. So we're available, of course, on YouTube as we said at the start. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Spotify, we're on Facebook. So please uh, get in touch with us, and um, please, uh, if you're if you're enjoying the, the content, then please continue with that. So thank you so so much. Um, but guys, any final comments from yourself before we we sign off tonight? Not for me. Just uh, looking forward to the next few games. Long may the the streak of wins and good performances stay up, and uh, let's let's get some silverware come Sunday. I uh, same here. Obviously, we need to take it one game at a time. So the morning night is going to be crucial. Uh, we need we need to come away with that with another three points, uh, regardless of what other results results happen elsewhere. We just need to keep building the momentum, keep it going, um, and then look forward to Sunday, and hopefully, hopefully, come away with the first piece of silverware of the season. Put the marker on it. Aye, aye, it'll be great. It'll be great. Um. I think one way or another, I will be very, very drunk on Sunday. I shall join uh, you. <laughs> I'm up for doing a podcast, um, even if I'm totally incoherent. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it anyway. Right, guys, uh, thank you very much for tonight, and I guess we'll sign off then. So, hail, hail, and best of luck to Angie's boys for tomorrow night in Dingwall. Good night. Hail, hail, boys. All the best. <laughs>